What is church membership? If you want to summarize it down to three words, it's the words accountability, organization, and advancement. That's really what it comes down to. There's, there's biblical foundation for what we're talking about here. Obviously, it has to be, or else we wouldn't want to do it. But when we think about it, it's a very practical means for biblical church accountability. Accountability is huge in the body of Christ. It's one of those things sometimes that kind of gets swept under the rug and you're like, uh, maybe once in a while I'll mention it. I'm going to tell you, in my life, the accountability of the body of Christ has kept me going. That's what we do. We walk through the New Testament and we see these massive themes of accountability. When we talk about accountability, we're talking about dual accountability. What do I mean? Here's what I mean. It's not just about your elders, your pastors, the leaders of the church, those in your leadership teams saying, are you doing right? You studying the scriptures? You making right decisions in your house? I'm going to tell you what dual accountability in the body of Christ is, is we're all keeping each other accountable. It happens in the congregation. Even to the point where through respect you come to one of your elders or leadership team and said, hey, how's it going in the word this week? That's what dual accountability is. Dual accountability is I'm willing to ask you the hard questions, and guess what? You're willing to ask me the hard questions. Those people in that row with you, you're willing to ask them where they're at with the Lord that week. How they walking with God. And guess what? You're willing to have them ask you the same question. That's what dual accountability is. So when we think about membership, we're talking about accountability in the body of Christ. We're talking about organization. Very clearly in the, book of, in, in the books that Paul writes to the church of Corinth, he says, do things orderly. Our prayer is that things are done orderly at Cross Point Community Church. And there's a fashion of doing that. And that goes along with the last point of advancement. Guess what, body of Christ? We're in this together. <laughs> I love this. We're praying together. We're seeking God's grace for the next step of Cross Point Community Church. This isn't just something that as a leadership team we pray about and, and just bring that to you on Sunday. We're in this together for advancement of the gospel in this community. So just a brief blurb on what church membership is. We'll talk more about that next week. Let's talk about essentials. What comes to mind when you think of essentials? Uh, I was thinking this week of some illustrations in my life, and I just kind of had to to laugh a little bit at some of the ways we look at essentials. But in my mind, I think of an event that I love to do, uh, that is spending time in the wilderness, uh, backpacking. I don't know if anybody in here likes spending time back in the wilderness, taking your backpack, spending a couple days. There's a couple out here I see. You just like getting away with your backpack, the essentials in your backpack, spending a couple days studying, praying, seeking God's face, enjoying God's creation. Well, Hannah and I uh, in Colorado, we were part of youth ministry for years. I was a youth pastor. And we would actually, we would have some, some larger groups of backpackers go backpack. We'd take them miles into the wilderness. We'd have several sponsors who needed that to keep these kids in line. But we'd take junior hires to senior hires, some college, and then a decent amount of sponsors to go with us. And we'd spread out in the wilderness so we don't trample everything down. But when we'd go into the, into the wilderness, prior to going, we would have weeks of studies. What am I talking about? We'd talk about what you put in your backpack, what you don't put in your backpack. We're talking about weight limits. You don't want to have some 80-pound junior high girl carrying, you know, a 70-pound pack, which we kind of came close a couple times. Almost lost a couple junior hires. 
But at any rate, when we think about the essentials, you're talking about what you need to survive that week in the wilderness. I'm going to tell you, when we talk about essentials, as a body of Christ here at Crosspoint, we're talking about what we need to survive as a church. These are things we have to have. If you go into the wilderness and you do not have something warm, I mean, you're talking about keeping your, I'm not going to go into the essentials of backpacking. More to talk about today. But if you don't have those things in your backpack, you're going to struggle. Some of those kids struggle. Here's another one. Uh, We're talking about the infamous uh, grocery store run, men. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. When your wife is stressed out cooking something and and preparing something, and she's only got an hour before dinner comes or whatnot, and you're like, hey, I'll go to the store for you. Oh, famous last words, right? (laughs) While you're there, would you get this and this and this? Okay, here's a quick pastoral word right here. Maybe Maybe or maybe not personal experience. You know, we'll see. But at any rate, write it down, right? <laughs> Our memories are not that good. Because when I go to the store, I'm so easily distracted with all this other stuff going on, especially if I'm hungry, right? My kid's asking for this snack and that snack. And I think, oh, this bag's pretty full. We're good to go. And I get home, and guess what I didn't get? Guess where I'm going to go right now? Okay, so there again, we have essentials for survival. If you're going to survive as a husband, you better get those essentials. You better bring home what's on that list, if you understand what I mean. Okay, let's kind of make a jump to theology. (laughs) There are some essentials in our theology, in our study of God. In our walk with God, these are things that ought to be commonplace to the church. These are things that we hold on to with all we have. I'm going to tell you what we are talking about today is foundational for everything we do as a church. When we talk about the Word of God, this This blessed book that we hold on our laps, we realize that this book we cannot do without. Just like there are essentials in everyday life that help us function and survive, we need to survive with the word of God. These essentials that we'll be talking about the next couple weeks, these are things that we need to survive as a church. When we look back historically, We see churches fall off the map into shipwreck. And to be honest with you, you can go to any one of these four things that we're going to talk about the next couple weeks and see where they came up deficient in one of these four things. What do we hold on to for our survival? Well, here's what we hold on to, first of all, today, is the Word of God. I want to just ask this question. How beautiful is the Word of God to you? God's word, we affirm this as members of Cross Point Community Church. This is something we embrace. God's word is our clear foundation for everything we do. Our foundation is not the greatest, the greatest church organization manual. There's some good ones out there. That's not our foundation for what we do. Our foundation is not the newest systematic theology that puts a a spin on this area of theology. Hey, that might be cool and fun to read, but that is not the foundation for what we do here. Our foundation is not the latest academic research. Our foundation is not the most popular political persuasion. But it's the Word of God. 
Brothers and sisters in Jesus, God's word is to be the undeniable, unapologetic, unashamed foundation for everything that happens at Cross Point Community Church. So, what does God's word mean to you? How much value does God's word hold to you? Thinking, praying through this this week, I was reminded of a clip I saw a couple years ago, and I just want to play this as we think about the value we, that we hold, the value that the Word of God holds for us. It's ministry in China. There's a box of books that they have, the Bibles. How much worth does the Bible hold to you? We're, we're looking at a picture of some individuals who prior didn't have the Word of God. And what we're talking about in a community in America, 92% of Americans claim to hold a Bible, to own a Bible. On average, every household will have three Bibles in their house. How valuable is God's Word to you? And we're talking about people that have never held the word of God in their hands in this culture. I didn't know, I couldn't translate what they were saying, but I will tell you this, somehow I know that they love the Bible, that they love what they hold in their hands. How much worth does God's word to you and to me? Does it hold this worth? This passage coming from Psalm 19, David in Psalm 19, he's talking about the beauty of our creation. Okay, just think of it in these terms, and I'll just set a quick foundation here. By the way, we're going to look at a lot of, of, of passages today, and I'm not a big fan of just going through and looking at them quickly uh, because there's a lot to these passages, but today we're going to do that. So hold on, we're going quickly through some of these. But there's a passage, Psalm 19, where David, he looks around him, this is what's called general revelation. We're talking about the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament shows his handiwork. This is what we're talking about in Psalm 19. David is saying, all of these things shout out that there's a great God. But then he transitions into Psalm, into verse 7 of this psalm, into some beauty of what's known as specific revelation. What are we talking about? We're talking about what you have on your laps right now, the Word of God. I mean, back then, obviously, David didn't have all of what we have. So now in the story of redemptive history, we have more than just what David had. We have the completed, what's known as the canon of Scripture. We have the Scriptures. It's complete. But what does David say about what he had? And now what we have in the Old Testament, here's what he, ha he says. The law of the Lord is perfect. <laughs> it's reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are, are true, righteous altogether. And then verse 10, which happens to be one of my favorite verses in all of the scriptures, one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. I got a bunch of them. <laughs> but verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. I mean, notice these amazing descriptors here. David, his heart overflows with how beautiful the word of God is. And how does he describe the word of God? It's perfect. It's sure. It's right. It's pure. It's clean. It's true. Through the spirit working in his life to write these things, he's saying it's more valuable than any kind of gold that you can present me. Even the finest shavings of gold. God's word is more valuable to me than that. God's word is more valuable than the things that I would taste that just set my satiators off. <laughs> You're like, wow, something that I want to taste. He's saying any of that, anything I could dream of tasting that would be awesome doesn't compare to when I feed of the word of God. So the question is this, how beautiful is the word of God to us? Today is meant to be an incredibly encouraging sermon to all of us here today. That what we have on our laps is worth it. What we have on our laps is valuable. So what I want us to do today is take snapshots. Can we do this for a couple minutes? Well, maybe like 20 more minutes. <laughs> snapshots of the word of God. 12 of them today. The first eight of them will be more descriptive. The last four of them will be more application how we are to handle the word of God. Let's take some snapshots through the scriptures of how beautiful this book is. Our prayer today is that when we get to the end of this study in a couple minutes, that, you will, that we will realize how valuable that book is that we hold on our laps. So let's start with this snapshot. Here it is. God's word is God's gracious revelation about himself. So do you realize that if we didn't have the word of God, we, didn't, we wouldn't know details about our God? We know some general things about our God because that's what general revelation shares about us. In Romans, we find clearly, uh, just as you walk through the, the arguments of Paul in Romans, you find clearly that everyone was, is without excuse because they can look up in God's general creation and realize two things. There's a God and he's powerful. So we know that about God by looking around us. However, the details of who God is are beautifully unfolded as we open the text of scriptures. It's God's revelation about himself. We're going to go to a passage over and over again today, and that's 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 and 16. And what does Paul say to Timothy? He says, Timothy, that book that you have is inspired by God. And your translations, many of them will say this, it's breathed out by God himself. All scripture is breathed out by God. God's word is created by God himself, has a special revelation of exactly who he is. No questions about who he is. Let's go to another one. I told you it's gonna be brief. <laughs> go to the next one. God's word was miraculous in its inception. We could talk for a long time about this one. Here's the other snapshot. God's word, miraculous. 
This book you hold on your lap is a miracle from God. Um, I'll just read this verse. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21 is, is on the screen behind us. Peter sharing these to these people that through suffering might have been caused to doubt God. Peter says this, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. What is he saying? This isn't just man's book. It's not just someone saying that'd be a really cool story, so let's put that down. No, but here's what this book is. For no prophecy, verse 21, was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the beauty of the book that we have in front of us. This is God's Spirit guiding God's men to write God's Word. It's awesome. The book you have on your lap is absolutely miraculous. Think about this. Over 40 different authors, and there's some good debate. There's some fun discussion on how many biblical authors, but right around 40 different biblical authors over the span of 1,500 years wrote the scriptures. And here's the beauty of this miracle, that the storyline meets perfectly, perfectly. It's a beautiful storyline from Genesis to Revelation, over 1,500 years between uh, the the beginning of that book to the end of that book, and the storyline is perfect. So with a group of teens, I enjoy doing this. I'd sit down a group, you know, 30, 40 teens and say, hey, so we got to practice right now. We're talking about God's word. Let's do this. Everyone in view, in your mind, think about a problem that you could potentially have with your family vehicle. (laughs) And they start laughing because all of them have problems with their family vehicles. That's just how it goes, right? But I said, but don't tell that to anybody else in this room. All 40 of you in this room, share in your mind, think about a problem you will have with your vehicle. Now I want you to think about where you're going to go to get that fixed. Some of the teens are like, I don't know where my parents get that fixed, right? So, okay, then just think of a fix on your own. (laughs) And they're thinking through this and like, okay, I got it. And I say, okay, write it down. They'll write this stuff down. And then I stop and I say, okay, now a couple of you write, just read out loud what you wrote down. I mean, there's anything from the brakes to the oil change to the, to the windshield wipers not working right. And okay, okay so how are you going to get that fixed? They're all over the map in how to fix that. I want to tell you what the beauty of God's word is. Forty different authors over 1,500 years writing the exact same problem with the exact same fix. Brothers and sisters in Jesus, the book that we have on our laps right now, it is an absolute miracle from God. Let us never forget that. Let's go to the next one here. Not only is God's word miraculous in its development, here's another snapshot. I love this because these go hand in hand. All of these go hand in hand. This is something we hold on to, that God's word is inerrant in the original documents. What are we talking about? There's a lot of discussion about this topic. We, we could spend hours here. And I know there's some that like talking theology. We could talk this, about this for a while. There's massive books written about this topic. But here's the gist of it. Here is where you refine it down is this. Inerrancy means that God's word was written without a single mistake from God or his men. Let us hold on to that forever. The word of God was 
perfectly sculpted by the Holy Spirit of God without one shred of misinformation in the original documents. Because God makes no mistakes. That is the book you have in front of you right now. I mean, we could go to any number of passages on this, but I love what David says, and he writes this as actually a song to be sung. And so when you go to the Psalms and you see specifically a psalm that is written uh, to be sung a lot, why? It's so you remember it a lot. You're singing it regularly, and you know we've already talked about this. When you sing a song, it sticks. And what are one of those songs that are to be sung regularly? Here it is, Psalm 12, 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. And how does he describe it? One of the best ways David can describe it through inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the refining of an element. He says this, like silver refined in the furnace on the ground. And you're thinking, oh, that's pretty cool analogy. He says, yeah, but not just one time. Purified seven times. (laughs) This is the best he could come up with through the Spirit saying, This is pure stuff. And what David is saying here, the words of God are pure. Let us hold on to that. I love what what, what it says in Proverbs chapter 30. And by the way, I know the students, uh, the high school students left just a bit ago. But this most likely written by a student of theology, Proverbs 30. We're not going to go into that right now. But a student of theology says this, every word of God proves true. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in, in him. This book you hold on to, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's squeeze it a little tighter. <laughs> let's enjoy it a little more. Why? Because this is God's word. This is his miracle. Let's go into another snapshot of this book. God's word is complete in its formation. All right, another massive discussion that we're going to briefly touch on tonight, today. What am I talking about? The fact that God's word is closed. We're not going to have, you know, we're not going to have Mike who just walked in. We're not going to have Mike add the book of Mike next week. <laughs> and up a couple rows, you know, we're not going to have another Mike. Mike Black write another, he's a big author now, right? So he's not going to write a book of the Bible. And across the road, Lonnie or Linda is not going to write a book of the Bible. Or in front of them, Tom or Karen are not going to write a book of the Bible. Why? Because the story is complete here. We have exactly what, what God wanted us to have. You can go to a number of different passages on this one, but I want us to go to the last book, right to the tail end of what's said in the book you hold in front of you, us. You can't build the entire argument on this one text, but you can get really close to it. Here's what the verse says. I warn everyone who hears the word of the Lord, uh, of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add him to the plagues described in this book. (laughs) That's some pretty intense stuff. Just talking with Carrie about Revelation chapter 11. (laughs) There's some pretty intense stuff found in this book of Revelation. And the writer John says, if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and the holy city which are described in this book. Obviously, we have to run this verse through all of the other verses talking about our secure relationship with Christ. But what do we find from this passage? The word of God is serious stuff. You don't tamper with it. 
I mean, you could go to Deuteronomy 4, you could go to Deuteronomy 12, you can go to Proverbs 30. Any one of these passages talking about how serious it is not to think I can just simply add to the word of God. It's a big deal. And so basically with the passing of Christ's apostles, the completeness of the revealed redemption narrative, the story that we just find it beautifully carved out in the scriptures, the formation and affirmation and recognition by the early church, here's what we come up with. The Bible is not to be added to. The Bible is not something we touch and say, I'm going to add my rendition of it. I'm going to add some more to the story. No, this is the completed word of God. Let's go to another snapshot of this book. God's word is preserved as truth. So any study we have at Crosspoint Community Church, brothers and sisters in Christ, our prayer is that it is saturated in truth. Why? Here's why. We live in a culture that wants to muddy the waters of truth. We live in what's known as a postmodern or even a post-postmodern culture. Everything is about relativism. So what's truth for you, it might be truth for me. And, and we can just all get along with that. I'm going to tell you, it's tough to rationalize that through the arguments of scriptures. When it talks about the truth, the truth of the word of God. I love what the psalmist, Psalm 119 Verse 160 says this, the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Right there we have the fact that we have preserved truth from God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the word of God that we hold on our laps, guess what? It stood the test of time. How come it's still the most popular book in all the world? It's the word of God. This book written by these 40 different authors over 1,500 years, completed 2,000 years ago. Guess what? It's still the most popular book. Why? Because it contains and it is truth. In fact, what does Jesus say in his high, high priestly prayer in John chapter 17? He's praying for his disciples and he says, sanctify them through your truth, through the truth. Sanctify them through the truth. And then he has this comment that we can never forget. Your word is truth. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God's word is preserved truth. Let us never forget it. Another beautiful snapshot of the word of God. Here's another one. God's word is the precise story of God's rescue. We could dwell on this one for a long time. Because I, I love this concept of what's known as biblical theology. That's realizing that your Bible is a story from start to finish. So how many of us, and we don't have to raise our hand or anything, you know, what we like to do is just to pull out a passage here and there and think, oh, this is a cool one. Let's pull that one out and let's, let's really enjoy that passage for a while. And then we're going to go over here and just pull out another one. And what happens when we do that is sometimes we fail to realize that what we have on our laps is a story from front to back. It's a beautiful unfolding of God's redemptive plan. You wouldn't go to another book that you pulled off, especially maybe a mystery book. Pull off a mystery book and jump from chapter 15 back to chapter 7. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And then let's go to 13. Uh, we'll go back to chapter 2. And then all of a sudden you get excited because you kind of think you might understand some of the story and you go to the end. 
Uh, my sister used to do that all the time, is just read the last. Hannah does that. <laughs> she goes and wa- reads the last chapter. I'm like, you can't do that. <laughs> but what the, what the understanding is this. The Bible that we have in our laps is a story from front to end. Sure, we're going to take passages and look at them. But in our minds, we have to remember that this is God's story. A lot of passages we could go to right now to prove that. But I want us to go back to that 2 Timothy 3 passage. Because Paul clearly talks about this in regard to Timothy, his son in the ministry. Remember this passage? We talked about it about, uh, it's hard to believe, almost three months ago now. (laughs) Time flies. Especially when you're having fun. All right. 2 Timothy 3.15, what does Paul say to Timothy? He says, how from a child, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, Timothy, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What's the point? This book that you have on your lap is the unfolding of God's love letter to us. It's beautiful. Every page of scripture is telling you, even if you go to Leviticus or Numbers, you know what it's telling you? Here's a God who loves you. Here's a God who has a massive plan. And as you travel through the Bible, you find this, this plan just opened up and further and further. And you find, we find ourselves in this plan as ones who were at one time aliens, set apart to, to, to what God was doing. And now we are fully engaged in God's plan. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what we hold on our laps right now is God's love letter. It is his story of rescue for us. We're privileged to have it. Let's go to another snapshot of how beautiful this book is. God's word is God's clear directives or directions for his creation. What am I talking about? You know, sometimes in our minds, I think we embrace a certain type of ism, even close to what might be known as deism, where you're like, God set things apart and just kind of, hey, have fun on that skateboard through life. Just keep going, find your way. I'm going to tell you what clearly sets that theology, that wrongology off, that wrongism off, is the fact that God gave us the word God. God's word is profitable for the entire life of a believer. Listen again in the same passage. All scripture is given by inspiration of God or it's breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching This is to show us what is godly, as we talked about a couple months ago. God's word is profitable for reproof. This is to show us when we're not acting godly. God's word is profitable for correction. This is to redirect us when we're not acting godly. And it's for instruction, or the word is training in righteousness. That is to keep us on the right path, acting godly. Guess what God's word is for all of us? It's God's clear directions for his creation. This not only is God's love book to us, it's God's guidebook to us. As Paul, as Peter says, uh, we've been talking about this a little bit in the men's study on Tuesday, which if you want a blessing, come pray with some men on Tuesday mornings, 7 o'clock down in uh, 104, I think it is, down in 104. But I'm going to tell you, what the word of God does is Jesus, as is said by Peter, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And you know where we go to find those things? 
what you have on your lap right now. Let's go to another snapshot. Snapshot number eight. We're moving through these. God's word is the believer's only infallible authority. Yes. There's a lot of people telling you what to do. A lot of people trying to weasel their way into your life through different views. You know what our question is? Okay, where is that found in the word of God? What you're telling me to do, can you tell me that from the scriptures? Why? Because the scripture is the only infallible authority. There are some reasonable arguments in the scriptures that we embrace about the directives of leadership in a church. That's beautiful. But what is that leadership to do in 1 Peter 5? It is to take you to the word of God. What is the only infallible authority It's the word of God. Uh, One quick verse, we need to keep it moving. For the word of God is living and active, we find in Hebrews 4. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, it fully exposes us. But one simple phrase I want us to think about this morning is this. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, Right away we run to the end of that verse and we think this is fully exposing this Bible. But what about the fact that it's sharper than any other knife that you might find in the drawer? Any other, any other sword that you might find in the cabinet? Guess what? The word of God is sharper. The word of God is the final authority for faith and practice. Let's keep moving. The last four I want to just briefly mention. These are more application to the description that we find in the first eight. Here's the first application. God's word is to be diligently studied. We hold to this. We affirm this as a body of Christ. Here's the point. God's word should not collect dust on our shelf. God's word should be read and studied and meditated on regularly. I'm gonna tell you, there's a lot of things pressing into our lives, is there not? We're busy people. Incredibly busy and, and I love what Peter says, and we touched on this last week in 1 Peter 2. He says this, like newborn infants, and then he shares a command. It's an imperative. Long for. It's not descriptive. It's an imperative. As newborn babes, you better desire the sincere milk of the word because you need it. <laughs> Oftentimes, I'll, I'll read this passage and remind myself, Andrew, you're just a baby, and you need God's milk in the word. You need it today. You cannot take another step in your spiritual life without the word of God. More could be said of this, but let's go to the next one. God's word is carefully interpreted, is to be carefully interpreted. Why is that such an important essential for the body of Christ here at Cross Point Community Church? Here's why. It's so easy to, wait, to take the word of God and twist it to, to, to justify the way you want it, what you want it to say. To make it justify our lifestyle. We take a passage of scripture and we pull it out and say, I'm going to take this passage and pull it out because somehow if I pull it out, it has kind of a sense of it that I can justify my lifestyle. I'm going to tell you, that's not the case of the, that should not be the case of the scriptures. We are to diligently study the scriptures into the point of what Peter, uh, what Timothy says in 2 Timothy 2, do your best to present yourself as an approved worker, a worker who who has no need to be ashamed, and then here's what he says, rightly handling the word. So if if we remember of the Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, the Apostle Paul is known as a tent maker. Do you remember this? 
He, he, he would go into communities, and, and as he preached the gospel, he would make tents and sell them. What better person to know about rightly handling something and cutting it straight, which is what it means. It means to measure it right and to cut it straight than a tent maker. Have you got sides on your tents, and I'm not exactly sure how they did this in this culture, but any time you put together, assemble some type of tent, guess what? You've got to measure it accurately and cut it accurately, or else your tent's going to be all sideways. And I believe Paul is talking to Timothy and saying this, as you handle the word of God, you better cut it straight. You better do it according to the right interpretation of scripture. Um, there's a lot of principles. It's what the principle I've known as hermeneutic. Hermeneutics. There's a lot of ways to look at this, but basically what we do, what we want to do is this. Marry ourselves to what's known as context. <laughs> There's a context to every single passage that we'll study. A historic context, where it lies in history. A biblical context, where it lies in the Bible and redemptive story. We run to that. What that is is a safety net for us. I'll just give you an exposure to, to what I do during the week. As I'm studying a passage, and as I preach on a Sunday morning, actually sometimes I'm thrilled when one of these front rows doesn't have anybody in it. You know what? what you welcome to sit in the front row. But you know why? When I preach on Sunday and I go to a passage, I actually, in my mind, try to visualize the human author of Scripture sitting there. Whether it's Peter or Paul or James or David or Moses, written by some of what Ezra says. And when I visualize in my mind that person, I want in my mind to be able to look at that person and them saying, yeah, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit taught me, uh, encouraged me to write. That's exactly what I meant. My goal is not that they sit there and they shake their head and be like, where did that come from? <laughs> that's not what I meant. So we need to keep moving. So the word of God is to be carefully interpreted. It is to be faithfully proclaimed. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. So I'm not going to go in-depth into this, other than to say this about what Paul says to Timothy. Timothy, God's word's amazing. It's profitable for all aspects of your life. Then chapter 4, verse 1, I'm going to charge you, Timothy. You better listen up, buddy. Here's the charge. Verse 2, proclaim the word. Preach the word. The word preach is the word herald. Herald it with confidence because it is God's word, Timothy. It is breathed out by God. Timothy, it's not you and your preference and your ideologies in the church, particularly the church of Ephesus that he may have been a pastor of here. It's not what you think is best for the church. It is the word of God that you are to proclaim, Timothy. Preach it. Proclaim it. Let's go to one last one. Would you believe that we've gone through 12 of these? It is to be discerningly applied. And I, I'm going to do what I just pretty, pretty much preached against and just kind of touch on a verse and go. <laughs> but here's the, here's the point in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. The word of God is God's word and not from us, the leaders, those proclaiming it. And here it is right at the end. He says the word of God is at work in you. It is to mold us and to make us. And when that happens, there's a huge margin for, for personal preference. <laughs> Application is so sensitive in the body of Christ. It's so easy for the one teaching to say, this is how I see life, and so now we're going to create 300 robots the way I exactly see it in the application. I'm going to tell you, that's what the Holy Spirit of God is for. 
Yes, I'm to bring up application. But I know there's certain things that you're going to be convicted over through the scripture that I may not be. And certain things I may be convicted over the scripture that you may not be. So what's, what are we to do? To teach and preach the imperatives of the scriptures. To bring up application, but to, to pray that God would convict all of our souls. As Paul says in Romans chapter 14, be convinced in your own mind when it comes to this application of the word. So, what have we just flown through? <laughs> this beautiful book that we can hold, that we can hug. Here it is. It's God's gracious revelation about himself. It's God's miraculous uh, it's miraculous in its development. It's inerrant in the original documents. It's complete in its formation. It's preserved as the truth. It is the precise story of God's rescue. It is God's clear directions for his creations. It is the believer's only infallible authority. It is to be diligently studied, carefully interpreted, faithfully proclaimed, and discerningly applied. <laughs> the key idea is this. God's beautiful word must be our clear foundation. And here we come back to our church membership words for accountability, organization, and advancement. So what? Can we leave here today with a so what? Here it is. Is God's word beautiful to us? Is it absolutely beautiful? If I were to bring a suitcase full of Bibles and open them up in the middle of this room right now, how would you handle that? I mean, obviously we have our Bibles. So, so much that it becomes commonplace to us. But how precious is God's word to us? There's a lot that could be said about this. But sometimes we think that we have to have a certain massive degree in theology to be able to open God's word and really understand. I'm going to tell you, God's word is for every single one of us in this room. Sometimes we try to make it more complicated than it is. I'm going to tell you, the scriptures for all of us, it, it takes observing what does it say? It takes interpreting. What does it mean? And it takes applying. How is this going to change my life? That's what we do every day. Whether it's taking a break from our busy work schedule at lunchtime and listening to a chapter. Whether it's taking our device or whatever it may be when we're tempted to just run to a news feed on Facebook and to say, you know what, before I even look at that, I'm going to read a chapter of God's holy word. Whatever it may be. I'm going to tell you one of the greatest, and I'm going to close this out right now. One of the greatest examples to me of this in the whole world is a young man of 92 years of age that's sitting on the back row. His name is Pastor Royal Blue, my grandpa. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite things to do is to walk into his living room and see on his clipboard the verses as a 92-year-old man that he is memorizing. A whole list of passages that are fresh to him, that he loves a man who's preached I don't know how many thousands of sermons, who's read all through the scriptures and who knows it, who might be able to say in his life, you know what, that was good for then. But this is a man who every day of his life, just like a newborn baby, is desiring the sincere milk of the word that he as a 92-year-old man may grow thereby. And I look at several in this, in this room right here that have been around for a while that have studied God's word. And I see a group of people that love God's word. Would you love God's word this week? The last question is this. Will God's word be the foundation for every single thing we do at Cross Point Community Church? There are some here are wondering, should I become a member of this fellowship, this community of believers? I'm gonna say, if you wanna be a member of this, 
body of believers, you better be ready to engage in the word of God because we're all about the holy texts of scriptures, studying it and making it applicable for our lives. So God, that's our prayer, that the beautiful word of God would be foundational for everything we do at Cross Point Community Church. I want to thank you for the time we could have this morning and just looking into your word. You've blessed us with this gift. I pray, God, that we would hold on to this with all we have. Lord, we love you. I want to thank you for every single person sitting here today.